The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing that makes them stand out? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is this week's host. Hey, hi, Mike. Hi, Kirsten. Well, sweetie, we are the Coaching Sugars, and we're back uh, with, with more. <laughs> and as you and I have been talking about, what a time it has been since we last did our shows in September. Yeah. Um, for many of us, um, this has been a really challenging, sometimes frightening, and um, unsettling time, a very thoughtful time, which brings us to the theme of our show today and the letters, the two amazing letters that we have gotten, hearing and honoring difference and remaining true to you as a coach and as a leader. Yes. So we're Mike McGinley and Kirsten Olson, and we're honored to be here as guest hosts again for Inside Transformational Leadership, the weekly podcast. And this is our year-end two-week running of The Coaching Sugars, which is real, compassionate coaching advice served up straight, both this week and next. Yeah. And as always, a shout-out to the Georgetown Institute for Transformational Leadership's mission, which we feel so strongly about, and its podcast. The mission to create a worldwide community of leaders and coaches committed to enlightened and compassionate leadership. This is really what it's about for us and is at the heart of our deepest values and commitments. So be sure to put the podcast into your listening life, folks. (laughs) And just a quick nod to the inspiration for our program, Dear Sugar, um, which is an amazing advice podcast on NPR. If you haven't checked it out, it's worth your while. Yeah, it's great. And they're running strong in like year two. So maybe they're, they're a model for us. And just like them, at the show here, Mike and I are really trying to offer responses to coaching and leadership dilemmas that are not at all about giving the right answers with a lot of certainty and authority, but are truthful, thoughtful, compassionate, and heartful based on our own coaching and leadership lives. Yeah, so here we go. And let us know what you think about the show and what we're doing here. Um, and or send us your own letters at our own Gmail address, which is thecoachingsugars at gmail.com. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
Shall we get started? So as Kirsten said, today's theme is hearing and honoring difference and remaining true to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so Mike and I really thought we ought to just set this up a little bit. We are um, definitely in weighty territory here because we felt that was appropriate. And we wanted to read a little bit of a piece that is up at a website we love called The Establishment, which is wholly owned and run by women. And this piece is about how to be effective during the time that we're in. We'll put this link up at the ITL website for this show. And this excerpt is from Valerie Aurora, who is an activist and feminist who teaches the Ally Skills Workshop. So here's the excerpt. Right now, many of us are grappling with how to use our skills and influence to resist the hatred and violence that the election has inspired, but we may not know exactly how. The first question to ask yourself is, how likely is it that you can act as an ally? An ally is someone who uses unearned advantages that society has given them, privileges, to reduce inequality with the goal of eventually ending privilege altogether. Here are some of the things that might give you more privilege in the U.S. Being white, male, cisgender, straight, a natural-born U.S. citizen, a white Protestant, or can pass as one, abled, rich, middle or upper class, University educated, securely employed, or in a position of power. If you have any of these characteristics, they give you more power to stand up for targets and work to end oppression. Okay, so that's powerful to me in relation to the letters that we got today, um, for today, with our theme really being who are we going to be in this new national era and how are we called in new ways? Do you understand who you are as a coach and your positionality and how can you be effective as a coach, as an individual, as a leader in your world using your privilege to be effective? How do you see those roles and responsibilities, especially around interacting around national events? Mm. All right. So here we go. All right. Let's get to our first letter. And I suspect we're going to circle back to these themes. Yeah. So here goes. Yeah. Dear Coaching Sugars, I'm writing a different letter from the one I initially began based on the events of the recent election. I find myself in new territory. I'm generally a positive and optimistic person whose 360 feedback includes statements such as, her positive energy is contagious and she helps us see past where we're stuck to where we could be. I find myself, I find myself feeling adrift, struggling to find my way back to hope, questioning and examining the assumptions I've made along the way and feeling unsure of my next step. I had been looking at our country at the grave events of the past year, not only in the election swirl, but also in the rampant violence and racism, and feeling as though we were in some kind of contraction before an expansion into greater progress. Now, 
I sit in frightening uncertainty, and I don't know where we are. Are we deeper in the contraction? Is there still a path to greater progress from this point? I have people in my life whom I love dearly who are celebrating at this time of sadness for me. They're not crazy, not racist, not xenophobic. They're very much like me in so many ways, and yet believe this choice was the one for positive change. I continue to love them dearly while also struggling to process how we both look at the same situation and see it so differently. Mm. And, and I wonder what lessons can be drawn from it into my coaching. I think of the clients I've encountered and will continue to encounter for whom I have a harder time holding the space and being present because our belief systems are so different. And I also believe that those are the purposeful conversations I must remain in. Mm. I, f- I feel much more readily knocked off center, questioning if I can show up as I wish to show up in that space. Mm-hmm. And so I raised this question. How do I more effectively hold a space demonstrate empathy, and remain present with a client whose beliefs and behaviors are fundamentally different from my own? And can I, as a coach, help to broaden the perspective of those who may not openly or consciously desire it? I'd like to believe that I can, and I welcome your wisdom of how to stand more firmly rooted in a place of presence and curiosity with those who may cause me a visceral reaction. For the sake of what? Because I notice now more than ever that I wish to expand the scope of who receives my listening ear, my presence, Mm -hmm. and my empathy. Because I believe in the power of building personal connections and relationships towards broadening perspectives and building an inclusive community, one conversation at a time. In gratitude and appreciation of your wisdom, signed, Looking for a Path to Hope. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that an amazing letter? It is. It is. They all are. I yeah, love this. They all are. All the letters we get are amazing. Uh, our wonderful community. So I'm, I guess I'm just uh, first want to say what a profound, wise letter this was. And when Mike and I got it, we just were really, we just sat with it um, for several days saying, Wow. And just as a top note, for me, I'm really moved by the sense of service here, service to self, service to clients, service to the larger community, which I think is really fundamentally at the work we do, at the heart of it. Um, So there's a question here that is, for me, very, very much at the center of my life right now, and what I think looking is asking in this letter is, how do I and we stay rooted in this place of curiosity and presence with those who cause a visceral reaction in us, as Looking puts it? And kind of what is our potential to influence, especially with those who have not asked to be influenced? Yeah. And I also really hear this, just to be very personal about it, um, for me with two really different lenses because I am a coach first and foremost and passionately committed to coaching and in my work, which I see as at the center serving clients. And I'm also an activist and have decades long history of being an activist and 
an activist is called to act. And so I'm really holding both of those identities as I'm looking at this, and I'm wondering if many in our community are doing the same. So I also feel, as you and I discussed, um, you know, when we were getting ready for this show, that we are at a real moral moment here in our culture when some of the answers to these questions feel very urgent and much more complicated and visceral than they have really been. So I feel like looking is kind of trying to hold these two really powerful, sometimes contradictory truths simultaneously. And um, that's, to me, really big work. The coach response which is to serve the client and to be curious and present. And also for me, like knowing that the finest coaches have this kind of sense of shining, really deep-seated moral presence and are, you know, kind of grounded in moral light and operate from a set of values which emanates from them. So to me, this letter and the questions that it raises touches on really fundamental questions about our work in the world and what our work is going to look like. So kind of the depth and also the urgency of these questions and their complexity for each of us. I feel like I just really said a lot. You did say a lot. And I, I always, I always admire what you can see um, yeah, where, where each of our letters takes you and what you can see in them and, and where that takes you. And, uh, and, you know, I appreciate your language as well. It's just beautiful language. So thank you for teeing that up. Um, and yeah, I, you know, my, my first reaction to this letter, which I also thought was really beautiful. Um, it raised mm-hmm. the question of fitness, um, uh, fitness mm-hmm. for coaching and, you know, this whole notion of, what needs to be true for us to do the best work that we do as coaches with curious, with curiosity and and with presence. Mm. Um, And though I, you know, this looking didn't use this language. um, I heard her crying out almost in reluctant admission that she's not really feeling fit to coach right now. Um, Mm. And I, and that kind of made my heart ache um, to, to hold it that way. And then, you know, layered onto that was this, um, this other sense that the world needs her more now than ever as a coach, right? Kind of that, that deeper listening that you mentioned, Kirsten, the world needs that. Um, So the good news is we as coaches, we're the arbiters of what fitness looks like for us. Like we know, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of our responsibility is to know, um, what that feels like to be in equilibrium so that we can do our best work. Yeah, so we hope we know. Yeah, exactly. So what is it that provides us our stable footing? Um, And I think we also have to have a keen sense of when we've strayed from that stable footing. And Mm. and we also need to have a blueprint for how to find our way back. So that's all the Mm. stuff that came up for me as I heard this letter. Mm. I love that. I I really love that. And I love the way you put it, the sense of fitness. Our fitness for doing the work that we feel called up to do at this moment. And how do we know that we are fit? 
and also to whom do we go to talk about that? Like, do we have spaces where we can talk about our feeling of lack of fitness? And so I, I, that's just beautiful. And I want to just pick up a little bit what you, you know, looking says that looking is feeling much more readily knocked off center these days by what is happening in the world. That kind of sense of like, who are you when you really don't know what to do? So I, I want to put that to you, Mike, because I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing that. Like, what provides you footing as in your leading you back to your foundation as a coach? And how do you assess your own fitness? Mm-hmm. I, I hope this feels fulfilling, but I, I think when I really think about it. I, I kind of strip everything away and or, or what do humans really want at their core? And for me, it's this notion of being seen and being heard mm-hmm. and being understood uh, and ultimately loved. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, honestly believe to my core that what we do as coaches provides that, right? At, at kind of the deepest, most meaningful human mm-hmm. level, we're seeing and hearing and understanding and validating or, or loving the people who we work with. And mm-hmm. so I, th- this might be a little bit naive, but I actually feel with every co- coaching conversation and the ripples that it creates, um, it just brings the world closer to good. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. And kind of that's our activism, as it were, mm-hmm. is, is the work mm-hmm. we do and, and kind of humanizing people and teaching them to humanize people. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and so that gives me a lot of comfort. And, and knowing that I've been successful at doing it and that I have some ability to do it um, yeah. effectively. Yeah, which you do. It gives me my footing. So what if you feel that you are estranged from your capacity to love in the moment? What do you do in those moments? That is an incredible question, and um, we're going to defer that till after the break. So uh, we invite everybody everybody to think about that question, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes for the Coaching Sugars. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer four cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, the Certificate in Health Coaching, and the Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF-certified advanced coach education and leadership courses for experienced leadership coaches and leaders at all levels. 
For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. Hey, so this is Kirsten, and welcome back after our break. You're with the Coaching Sugars, Mike and Kirsten. And we are offering through the Institute for Transformational Leadership our deep dive into some really (laughs) profound coaching questions today, um, which Mike and I were just discussing at the break. So I had just asked Mike about what happens to him, what are some of his practices and thoughts when he, who is so powerful at loving, appropriately loving, and connecting to clients. And I think this is part of, you know, the gift of coaches is that we are sometimes extraordinarily skilled at maintaining connection with people with whom we really do have differences and very different life stories and um, sets of ideas, sets of narratives. Um, But maintaining that connection is at the center of our work, which you described really as a healing force, Mike, in the world, mm-hmm. as activism. What happens when, because we are in this kind of national moment of many of us feeling very knocked around, if we're a little estranged from our capacity for loving and connection, and we find ourselves, you know, othering, What do you do? Yeah. So for me, I I think the ultimate truth speaker is the body, right? Mm-hmm. And so my yeah. my broad brush answer would be to come back to the body and and notice where the dissonance lies in the body. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it, overly simple but incredibly effective is to breathe and kind of breathe yeah. with intention and kind of reestablish our footing from that place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was, that's really exactly, um, that's exactly where I was going to go and looking really asked us for that. Like, what are some practices? We're going to try and talk about that a little bit more at the end of the podcast, but what are practices, um, that really help us stay in the place that we want to be? when we feel we're knocked off center and we're noticing ourselves less able to access our sense of connection and love. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, it's exactly the same. It's going back to the body and observing what happens when I am moving into judgment and pop and moving away from curiosity. And for me, you know, I really can feel this. Like I feel a tightening in my chest. 
I feel this sort of closing off of my peripheral vision. It's really like my vision actually gets narrower. Um, I have a sense of intellectually picking up the pace. You know, I want to hurry things along because I have a sense of what the conclusion ought to be. Wanting to get to the destination, kind of wanting to be the driver. And just as you said, Mike, like noticing that, being able to notice that, and then returning to breath and returning to body sensation and taking a pause is, for me, the, the way back to foundation, as you put it, to keeping an eye on fitness for the moment. And, you know, I guess just the one piece I would add to that, I don't know if you want to say anything else here, is this beautiful story about, for me, the long, long arc of activism. When I was training with Parker Palmer, um, you know, now a long time ago, um, even though I'm so terribly youthful, um, uh, uh, he told this story to all of us who were in training um, with him about John Woolman, who is this really famous early 19th century Quaker activist who was a farmer, a simple man who opposed slavery profoundly when the Quakers had not yet taken a stand on opposition to slavery. And his way of doing the work of activism was to stay deeply in conversation with his neighbors and with his meeting, which is what Quakers call their church, um, and to live a model of deeply held spiritual values. And really over the course only of 20 or 30 years did his views begin to have impact on the people around him. So I also do have this sense, which, you know, is is that holding on to whom we want to be and being the presence that we want to be in our community is a long game. And we are in a bump right now that I think is very profound. I don't think it's an insignificant thing. And we have to step up to meet it and also know that we are in for long work. Mm-hmm. And to hold that at the center, that we need each other and that we are going to need to return again and again to true principles because this is going to be very, very challenging. Lovely. And, you know, you think about, in the case of John Woolman, what what enabled his kind of steadfast conviction mm-hmm. around his perspectives in the face of opposition? And and this is this is part of what this letter was asking us as well, right? Um, yeah. And I think, when I think about it from a coaching context, I guess I'm going to take a hard-line stance on this one. I, I, I really want to say that in coaching, it shouldn't matter if, if, the clients we're working with have philosophical views that are different from our own, right? Like our job is to be present to who they are and, and, and to hold with curious wonder how they see the world. And I think it's largely irrelevant who they are and where they're headed from a coaching perspective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a way, uh, our, our ability to be present in those situations is our real test, 
you know, perhaps working with a client whose philosophical views differ greatly from ours is the it's the real double secret, you know, ultimate certification for us coaches, right? If we can hold the space in that situation, then and then are we coaches. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. having said that, I believe each of us has our line, right? It's that point beyond which we simply would refuse to work with somebody or support their cause through coaching. So mm-hmm. it raises for me where where is my line and mm-hmm. where's your where's your line, Kirsten? And what makes mm-hmm. the placement of that line feel right for us or for any individual coach? Um, and when I think about that broadly. Um, you know, for, for me, the line is I don't want to make the world safe or I don't want to make anybody better at what they're doing if what they're doing is destroying the world. And so that's mm-hmm. what the way I hold it in a really broad sense. And, of course, there's a lot of judgment that goes into my assessment of whether their work is destroying the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's part of what sort of the beginning, the little, you know, the little piece from the establishment is about is what, who are you, kind of what, how do you show up in the world and knowing that consciously and then also being really clear about what your line is. Mm. And for me, you know, I do, I do feel just as you do, you know, um, I have had many, many um, coaching relationships with people who have radically different political and religious um, points of view than I, and I feel like I've in some ways learned the most from those relationships. Like that has been so, so powerful to me. But I also do think there's kind of a, a call here too, as you're saying, to say, what is our line of activism? And I... I feel that many of the ideas that are increasingly in circulation in our world right now have very long historical precedents of destroying human life. And, um, you know, radically, radically polarizing um, groups of human beings and creating more and more intensive economic and social injustice. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I'm just saying yes and yes, and I think we as coaches are going to have to be in these conversations about when do we step up? When do we step up? What is our line? And also to know that we're not alone in talking about this. This is really profound work. And I think as looking says, like, it shakes us up. Mm-hmm. We don't just toss this off. Should we go to our next letter? I think we should. And this is a, it's a brilliant um, kind of jumping off point. So thanks for the questions that you raised there. And what I'm hearing is that there's an opportunity for each of us to be more discerning in kind of where we draw Mm -hmm. that line. And for the sake of what do we have our line where we have our line. Um, And that's our life's work. So thanks for teeing that up that way, Kirsten. Yeah. And damn it. Man, we're going to need each other now more than we ever have. <laughs> and, these con- and these conversations can't be in shadow. They have That's to right. be explicit. 
I think you're right. Um, okay, so let's go to our let's go to our next letter. And once again, thank you, community, for these amazing letters. Dear Coaching Sugars, in the last couple of weeks, I was working with a client, an expansive, energetic, kind man who has always, throughout our coaching engagement, impressed me with his thoughtfulness and sensitivity. We've been working together for a year, and in the course of our coaching engagement, he has achieved many of the goals that he set out initially. For me, working with him has been a joy and our coaching relationship has been very productive, in his words. On this particular day, the first time we met after the recent national election, he closed his office door and began to speak about the election. During November, this seemed to come up in every meeting I had with clients. He was upset and confused by the election outcome, and he began describing his reactions, the reactions of his three daughters, with whom he thought he would be celebrating on November 9th, the reactions of his spouse, his colleagues. He paused and said, finally, you know what? If those people voted for Donald Trump, they're stupid. For the next four years, I'm just going to pull in, watch my stocks rise and my taxes go down. I'll get richer and they'll get poorer. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be really good for me. Sugars, I was set back on my heels. I observed my client turn from a kindly, volunteering, trying to build empathy in his workplace leader and thinker into a somewhat vindictive, narrow, pull-up-the-ladder-behind-you dude, concerned in the moment only about his class of people. Because we were in a In coaching mode, and this was not part of the goals he had outlined for the day, we sat with that for a moment. After a pause, we turned to the work of the day. We had a useful coaching session, and I'm not sure my client even noticed this moment of what? Value shift? I, however, felt the weight of this. The ways in which anger, fear, and frustration were feeding the wolf of his nature and narrowing him. Yet this was not the business of this coaching session as he had named it, and I felt I was there to serve his needs. For me, this was useful intelligence, something to know about my client, and perhaps offer to him at another moment. But it left me with a chill the way witnessing a slur or a contraction of moral vision does, disheartened and worried. Is this the way the whole country is moving right now? Where will our nation be in the absence of moral leadership? Soon, in my view, there will be none in the White House. What happens to humans and to our nation when we so obviously require moral leadership to hold us to the better angels of our natures, and when there is little or none visible. What do you think about this? What would you have done, Sugars, in this situation if this had been your client? Thanks for your advice. Feeling the weight. Wow. Mm. Our, uh, it's a little intimidating for me that our, the, the people who write letters are so much smarter than I am. 
So um, I can't wait to hear where, where this letter takes you, Kirsten. I'm going to give I'm going to give it a stab in the couple of minutes we have right before the break. Um, you know, what came up for me was, you know, from a coaching perspective. And first, I want to acknowledge, like, what a what a brilliant, poignant, beautifully written note, um, just as all of them are. So I really appreciate you know the thought and touch that goes into these these letters. Um, and what happened for me right out of the gate reading this is, especially on the heels of the first letter, where you know we saw the impact of the election on a coach and kind of the unsettling effect. Here we're seeing that same effect on a leader, a leader that we're supporting mm-hmm. in a coaching context. Yep. Um, and it's we. I appreciated that because. I, I I guess I've been more consumed with myself, just like the first letter was, and I really mm-hmm. haven't hadn't thought much about the impact on the leaders that we work with. So I appreciated that um, kind of raising that flag. Um, but for me, the the most kind of the the juiciest, most fun part of this letter was what got in the way of feeling sharing their assessment with that leader, right? This guy showed up in a totally different way than he normally had. And the million dollar question is for the coach, do I share what I just noticed or do I sit on that uh, and, and wait for a moment? And I think, I think with something like that, there's no right answer whether the assessment should have been shared in the moment, right? This is, Mm -hmm. I I think fortunately, this is part of the art of coaching. Mm -hmm. Mm. To me, to me, what's important for for feeling the the writer of that letter is to do the reflection right the necessary work to develop a clear read on what got in their way of sharing the assessment what was up for them in the moment that kept them from sharing the assessment and tracing the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. back in a way that they can either validate like yeah that was in alignment with some deeply held value system that i've got mm-hmm. or it was not in alignment in which case it precipitates a shift in how that coach shows up from here on out. So mm. I think that's the important work is what got in my way and what do I do with that? What, you know, what do I want to be accordingly? Awesome. Wow. And also just, I want to just raise a question. Maybe you'll think about this during the break is, um, have you ever had a situation like that? That sort of, I like that image of tracing back to the breadcrumbs of some fundamental value that caused a shift for you in your practice. Like a thought, oh yeah, I'm going to do this differently next time because this is what I learned. Yeah, great question. So um, join us in a couple of minutes when we come back from break and we'll take it home from there. We'll hear your answers, audience, to this question. (laughs) All right. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Found 
founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer four cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, the Certificate in Health Coaching, and the Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF-certified advanced coach education and leadership courses for experienced leadership coaches and leaders at all levels. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. So welcome back. We are Mike McGinley and Kirsten Olson, and you are with the Coaching Sugars, and we were just in the midst of a really um, juicy bit um, about, Mike was going to tell us a little bit about a time when he observed something in his own coaching practice where he, he did not share something that was powerful to him and kind of what he learned about it. Yeah, and thank you for that invitation. And it takes me to, um, I, I, I can feel the visceral reaction in my body as I kind of replay mm-hmm. um, the scenario. But I will tell you, it's one where I had some very strong assessments about this leader. And I noticed mm-hmm. myself continuously not sharing them in the moment. And, and in fact, I wasn't even circling back and sharing them. Um, despite my best efforts to kind of circle the wagons and, and get my stuff together, um, I would fall into the same cycle over and over, which is I'd be in the meeting and I would, I would have these assessments that this leader wasn't showing up very powerfully, and I would mm-hmm. fail to, show, to share them. And ultimately, I realized that it was – the question I was asking myself was – in what way would it be in service to my client for him to to hear my assessments, especially when my assessments were that he wasn't being very effective? Um, and from there, the story I had was that this client couldn't handle it. He, mm-hmm. I, I, so I had kind of a master assessment around his fragility and mm-hmm. – and the story that I made up was that I would protect him. Yeah, he couldn't handle it. So I therefore need to protect him from hearing these things that I don't think he has the capacity to hear and to work with. Mm-hmm. And I, that was liberating for me to think, um, boy, how at the heart, it's, it's kind of noble. Like, I'm going to save you from some pain. But 
I'm not the arbiter of how much somebody else can handle, especially when it's when it's a leader mm-hmm. who's who's doing some great work in their own right. Um, mm-hmm. And that emboldened me to share it. Mm. Because wow. I think at, at, at the ultimate, um, when it really comes down to it, it's, um, it's disempowering and it's disrespectful to make a decision about somebody's capacity that they're better suited to make themselves. And so for me, what loosened that up was, well, who am I to be the judge of how much they can handle and what, what they're able to do with it? I think yeah. my job is to put it out there with care and with yeah. um, love and with positive intent um, yeah. and hold it, hold it in a way that the leader can do something with it. So I learned a lot about myself in that. And of course, I started to think, where else am I doing that in my life and in my coaching work? Um, And that's been that's been a rallying principle for me since. Yeah. Yeah. I really I that's just just um, I feel so important and so powerful what you just said. So like in some ways, the ultimate act of of belief and um, of empowerment is to share the assessment exactly as, I mean, as you say, with care, but as it's coming to you. And to me, that's, you know, that is a central principle of kind of the evolution and development of more and more powerful coaching. And it takes people into, you know, this space of being, bold as opposed to simply being supportive. And, you know, I think that's something you do very, very well as a coach, Mike, and it also is a, a really critical principle. And I, I would say the same, I have a, a similar uh, sort of set of self-assessments. A, my reflection on this letter is... Um, a very, very thoughtful letter, and it's hard for me to know all that was going on in those particular moments to have a strong feeling about, you know, the actual call that the coach made, Mm -hmm. except that I do have this sense that something may have been left on the table, Mm -hmm. and really, what is that about? And the ways in which when when a coach has not shared something, they are holding knowledge that has a feeling content, which ultimately is revealed later in the coaching conversation. It's much more respectful and cleaner to do it in the moment. And so for me, you know, I go back to uh, a piece which, you know, is always a work for me, which is, as a female raised in a somewhat conflict-averse household, stepping in, stepping up, that's always good thing for me to watch out for as a coach. Am I stepping in, stepping up? And also in service of what? That's really, I think, the other piece is, as a coach, is this in service of the client and the client and coaching relationship, or is this about a need that the the coach has? Yeah, fine line, right? And I think that's a useful reflection, too. Mm -hmm. And it's all a part of that. And, I mean, that's all, to me, exactly what the powerful dilemmas of growing as a coach are about. 
really being in the stickiness of that and wrestling with that. Yeah, so if if we made the argument that feeling should have shared this assessment of what they Mm -hmm. noticed in the moment with that Mm -hmm. leader, what comes to mind for you around what exactly would have been shared and and how how would that how would that be in service to the leader? Yeah. It's a great question. I guess um I'm gonna you know I'm coming back right back at you, buddy. Um <laughs> I, I'm thinking about um to to sort of return to um looking letter one's question. Is it po- would it have been possible for the coach in letter two to notice what was going on in their body? Did they have a kind of visual image for what it was they were holding on to? Because I think that that increasing capacity to be aware of that in the moment is part of doing this work of... Um, you know, sort of what you've described, respectful, who am I to decide what my client can handle? Mm-hmm. Um, respectfully moving into that. Does the, does the, does the, did the coach have an awareness of what they were quote unquote protecting and why? And I'm wondering, was it, you know, was it conflict diversion? Was it, uh, feeling the press to move on to other work, kind of respecting the client's agenda as laid out? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know where this takes me, Kirsten. When I wrestle yeah. with that question, what, what should have been or could have been shared with the client, um, yeah. there's a distinction that's important, which is coaching versus activism that you – you teed up earlier. Yeah. So yeah. from a coaching perspective, I think it's totally fair game to say, hey, dear client, I just noticed in what you said, like, that's a yeah. stark departure from the way I normally experience you, right? I normally yeah. experience the kindly, empathetic, you know, thinking leader. And what you just said lies in stark right. contrast to that. And let the client, yeah. you know, invite the client to respond to that as we do. Right. Absolutely. Oh, let me that, just um, jump in there and mm-hmm. say too, noticing um, it, it sounds like it was this, you know, sort of it, it's a, almost an automatic shift into something that was not what the client usually presents with. That's exactly. powerful too. There's a yeah. kind of automaticity there that might be worth calling up as well. Totally, totally. And then I think, you know, the more intriguing parts of this letter from feeling are, you know, kind of the strength of conviction that this writer has around moral leadership and um, the responsibility Mm -hmm. that we all have. And that, Mm -hmm. for me, starts to cross the line into activism. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's kind of, it's it's Mm -hmm. putting a certain perspective out there and, hey, how dare you, dear leader, client, um, not live into this responsibility that you've got that I see for you. Exactly. And that, that yeah. feels a little bit less appropriate to me. Or I should say it feels yeah. a lot less appropriate to me. Yeah. Well, I also heard that as well in this letter, a sense of kind of going to the global 
pretty rapidly, you know, um, uh, and that I, I felt that to be seeming to happen in the coach as described as opposed to was there really attention to what was happening with the client in the moment. Love that. And that also, you know, that also does return us a bit to the first letter and many of the other letters that we've had, which is, you know, these are very unstable times for many of us, not for everyone. I mean, we just have to acknowledge that, that this is not a universal feeling. And um, that means that our capacity to closely observe what's going on for us may be interfered with, may require renewed attention. Are we globalizing? Are we climbing the ladder of inference? You know, are we hearing things through a pretty dire frame? Or are we not? Are we in denial? Yeah, I love this. And, and let me let me make sure I'm actually tracking you, Kirsten, because the way I'm hearing it yeah. is in these times when kind of the ground beneath me is is moving a little bit, I don't yeah. have the same ability to discern things as I normally have. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I and think, what yeah, do you good, need? good for all of us. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, what do you need to, um, what do you need as a coach or as a leader? Like, what are your, what are your daily practices going to look like to help you stay in the, you know, at foundation, as you said, kind of at the heart of whom you want to be as a coach during times that I think are going to become increasingly unsettled? Yeah, I, I think... More yeah, rather than less. Yes, yes, yes. And it's two things for me. It's, hey, in this time when I don't necessarily have my sea legs, I need to be aware that my spidey sense is also not as acute as it normally is, right? That's just yeah. important to know that, right? Like I'm not as powerful as I would typically be when, when the stars are all lined up. Um, and then as you say, it's, what's my path back to... Right here and now? What's my path back to being grounded? Yeah. So, should we, shall we bring this to a close with our poem, Mike? What do you think? Um, I don't know that we have time for our poem. <laughs> We have a couple of minutes to wrap things up and put a bow on them here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to, um, we want to just announce that our continuing with this uh, theme for, you know, a theme of things that matter a lot. Um, uh, what we're talking about next week is being the coach you want to be and earning a living. Yeah, and the, and the um, tension the tension that lies in that space very naturally and comfortably being the coach I want and needing to earn a living. How do those things go together? Yeah. Yeah. And we have room for a, a 
we already have a couple of wonderful letters, and we would love to hear from you, our community who has, you know, really lit the path for us the whole, this whole Coaching Sugar season. Um, send us some of your letters and also let us know what you think about what we're doing here and um, how this is all striking you. Yeah, well said. Uh, love to hear from you in, uh, in any of those ways. Um, let us know how this is landing on you. And if you feel so moved as to contribute through a letter, we would love nothing more than that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my learning partner. And um, thank you looking for a path and feeling the weight today. Yeah, what incredible letters. Thanks to the whole community, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.